the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. This week, one of the top news items was a recent survey that indicated that Christianity is declining at such a catastrophic rate that it will no longer be a majority in our country in only a few decades. Did you see that? What did you think about that? On hearing this news, your gut reaction might be something like, oh no, we gotta do something quick. The church is dying. It's an emergency. It's not a bad reaction, since we know that the decline in Christianity in America necessarily impacts our laws, our families, and our future in many ways. So, panic and fear can set in. But the Lord's church does not panic, ever. There is no emergency for the Lord's church. The Lord knows his elect. No one is going to heaven without his causing it. He knows our current moment, and he's not panicking, nor has he lost control of the ship. And he's not waiting around on you or me to do something. He is God, after all. Anything good that he wants done, he's going to do it with or without you. He might work through you to speak his gospel to your neighbor, but salvation and faith are not your gift to give. If it was up to you, if salvation was finally up to you doing something, even doing something for somebody else, it would no longer be grace alone, but it would be grace plus you. So do not panic. Do not fear. He knows what he's doing. His church is not declining. The number of weekly worshipers might decrease at times, just as martyrdoms chop the numbers down on earth. But the numbers of saints in heaven never declines. It only grows. The decline is only seen on this side of heaven, but it's no cause for panic. The gates of hell cannot overcome his church, and modern-day drops in numbers cannot undo the reality that Jesus truly died and rose for you. So do not panic, but be faithful. That is, live each day knowing that God delights in having his gospel spoken through you as he works through your hands to serve others. Now, in today's gospel lesson, Jesus tells a parable about a dishonest manager who got fired. Luke 16, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. So the rich man was understandably upset. You would be too. The manager was wasting his money. It doesn't say how he wasted it, 
but it certainly was enough to get him fired. There's a simple instruction in this for us. The Lord doesn't put up with our being wasteful. So don't waste your money, squandering it on selfish ends, failing to use it to serve or to help your neighbors. That seems like a simple enough lesson. Take the gifts and the talents that you have from the Lord, wake up each morning being thankful for them and looking to how you could use them for the benefit of your family and your neighbors. Don't waste them, but be generous in providing for others because it is all the Lord's money anyway. He's entrusted it to you as a steward, so don't waste it, but use it wisely in service to others. And you will be commended. Simple enough. It's great instruction on how to use our money. But is that all that Jesus is after? Of course not. Jesus is on the way to the cross to die for sinners. And he's not stopping along the way to give a little bit of financial advice. Besides, telling you not to waste your money and warning you that you can't be faithful to God and to money at the same time, that's all law. And we had that already. Have no other gods but him alone and use your money to help your neighbor. Love God and love your neighbor. That's the law, is it not? And the law's job is to show our sins. So Jesus exposes that we are wasters of his money. We are stingy when he has told us to be generous. We seek after our own bellies with our money instead of serving and loving others with it. And we trust in it, treating it like a God, as if money has all the answers to save and to help us. We panic when we lose it, and we long for more. But Jesus isn't giving us the parable to give us more law, telling us how to be better money managers. Because if he was, the parable would have ended with the manager turning his life around and no longer wasting the master's money, but instead becoming a more committed servant. And then the master would have commended the servant for getting better. But that's not what happened in the parable. The master did commend the steward, but for something else. Luke 16, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. The wasteful manager is commended not for getting better and not for becoming less wasteful, but he is commended for forgiving debts. And yet they weren't his debts to forgive anyway. If the rich man was upset for having his money wasted, why would he not be just as upset when the manager forgave debts that belonged to the rich man? 
That is, if the manager got fired for being wasteful with the owner's stuff, why wouldn't the rich man, the owner, wouldn't he just get just as angry or perhaps even more angry for the, for the manager running around and canceling all those debts? It doesn't make any sense. And it's not a good way to run a business. But that's the gospel. Jesus isn't in the money advice business. You have Dave Ramsey and Warren Buffett for that. Jesus is in the forgiveness of debt business. Jesus doesn't give us parables to give us more law or to tell us how to spend our money. We didn't need him for that. Jesus wants debts forgiven, and that is what the parable is after. Yes, the law convicts us for being wasteful, selfish, and stingy with our money, even trusting in it as our God at times. But the parable shows us those debts so that Jesus can forgive them. Jesus wants no debtors. He looks at you and me, self-centered sinners who have wasted the good gifts that have been entrusted to us, sinners who are in bondage to our money, thinking that it can save us and letting it have control over our lives. He looks at you and me and says, your sins are forgiven. Your debts have been paid for by my blood. You are free. He releases our debts freely, even ridiculously, in an economy of forgiveness that makes no sense. But that's the gospel. Jesus wants sinners forgiven. And having our debts released, he gives us the joy of forgiving the debts of those who have sinned against us. Forgiveness. That's the true wealth of Jesus. That's the wealth that lasts into eternity. And he wants us handing it out to others. In the name of Jesus, amen. We stand for prayer.